Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host and their special guest, reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Hello, and welcome to the EDG Community Pulse podcast. My name is Tammy Naguki, and I'm with Environmental Design Group. I'm joined today by my co-host, Dwayne Grohl, president of Environmental Design Group. Thank you, Tammy. And our guest today is Bob Brooker, service director with the Village of Marshallville. Thanks. Good to be here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, public service and uh, leadership. And uh, I want to introduce Bob real quick with his um, background. Um, Bob holds a BS in elementary education from Kent State University and an MS in school administration from the University of Akron. Bob retired with 31 years of public service in 2014, 27 of those years as a middle school science and math teacher. He has served the village of Marshallville in various capacities since 1983, including assistant director of the summer recreation program, four years as a member of the village council and council president pro tem, two years as president of the board of trustees, 30 years on the Marshallville Planning Commission, 20 years as the mayor of Marshallville, and currently works part-time as the Marshallville City Service Director. He and his wife of 29 years, Jenny, enjoy traveling, physical fitness, and living an active and fulfilling life. Welcome, Bob. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks, Bob. And I just want to start off by thanking you again for taking your precious time to share with our listeners uh, your story uh, of leadership and of community service. And I think... uh, as hopefully our listeners will hear, that the Village of Marshallville story over the last two decades, under your guidance, um, has done amazing things. And when I tell this story um, to uh, other communities, other leaders, they get enthused and they get energized um, by what a uh, relatively small rural village can do, it has done, and through your leadership of thinking uh, innovatively and uh, you know challenging the status quo and saying... Uh, that we can't get something done, but we're going to get it done. And it may take 10 years or it may take two years, but we're going to get it done. And so um, with that, can you, in your own words, uh, Bob, share uh, with our listeners your story of impacting the village of Marshallville? Boy, Dwayne, thanks for that that very nice introduction. Um, I was born and raised in Marshallville, so I've been, I'm 55 years old. So I've been there since 1965. And I've always kind of gone back to that thing that it takes a village to raise a child. And I was, I'm an example of that. I had neighbors who were actively involved in civic organizations, uh, local government. My father worked two jobs. So I saw him maybe half an hour in the evening and then he would go to his another job. So I was raised by neighboring, uh, strong male figures who were mm-hmm. who just good people and, uh, got an interest in that. And whenever I could jump in and and help I did whenever there was a village project, a little Bobby Brooker was there watching the <laughs> dig the hole or, or lay the pavement. So over those years, that kind of was ingrained on me that you got to give back. And um, when the opportunity arri- arose in 1987, I graduated college. And that fall, I was elected to village council. And uh, I've been involved in the local government since 1987 when I first elected, but I worked for the utility department in during a couple of summers in my uh, high school and college career. I worked for the Wayne County Engineers for a, a summer. So I really got to see the, the inner workings of that and what works, what doesn't work. Um, you know, so there's so much in government that 
it's kind of the old boy network that, uh, you know, it's, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that didn't seem to be working for us. And, mm-hmm. and I think as you came in and you saw that, that there was a lot of things that were swept under the rug and we needed to mm-hmm. rectify and, and, um, that kind of excited me. And, and mm-hmm. I've made a commitment to make my life in the village of Marshville. So I've got a lot invested, not only time and monetarily, but, you know, just to make sh- sure it's a place that I want to spend hopefully the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with my civic duties and, and governmental appointments. And well, that's that, that's interesting because one of the questions I was going to ask, and then you kind of answered it, was, uh, and you were also involved in, in private sector business for a while there as well. Right. And yeah. I was curious because you and I have never really sat and talked about, you know, uh, how you got your roots in, in turning to public service and whether it was as a school teacher or whether it was serving the village um, versus kind of private sector, you had your own um, business. We, for we had, we had uh, over the years, had purchased three property casualty insurance agencies and merged them into one, and it became the Martin Insurance Agency in the village of Marshville. And, and it grew by leaps and bounds. We did very little, we did really no advertising. It was all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is, is I bought the main agency from Arthur Martin, who was my neighbor, who was also in city council and was one of those strong father male role mm-hmm. models in my in my life and uh, I was always involved in in mathematics I like mathematics and I enjoyed watching him do the math of insurance mm-hmm. the problem is as I was 10 years into my insurance I was sitting at a agents meeting and every time you go to an agents meeting it was how can we increase our bottom line how can we make more money and I could see that this wasn't for me um mm-hmm. I wanted to leave a mark that people are going to say, you know, he was a good person. That boy, he was an insurance man who, mm-hmm. you know, always try to sell things. And, and we, we weren't that kind of an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, I made my commitment to stay in education. We were at the point where we had to either sell the agency, hire a couple more people, or get out of education. Mm-hmm. And my wife has a business administration degree. She was in insurance prior to being a teacher. And she saw my teaching lifestyle and enjoyed that and working with kids. And mm-hmm. so now she's in her 30th year teaching. Um, so once we realized that the the insurance was very lucrative, it was very good to us, but it wasn't satisfying. At the end of Mm -hmm. the day, I didn't feel like I did anything to improve the lot of life, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an amazing, amazing, uh, story and journey. And, uh, that's a great example and a role model for people. And especially people that didn't maybe grow up with that, um, you know, as you said, the, the village around you supporting you, but people that didn't have that, but you can act as a role model to showing that there's a different path in servicing the greater good versus just oneself. So, And really you, wanting to have that impact in yeah, your community. I mean, yeah. both through education and then through um, your service to the community. I mean, yeah, the epitome of that. So can you tell us a little bit, you know, and uh, let's say you and I have been working together for two decades. I was there, well, you were there many years, but I, I worked for the the prior mayor to when you first got your mayorship for a short term and then you came in. But, you know, in those days, the village was, was, had a lot of challenges, let's say. And can you share, you know, when your vision as you came in and of course you had all the background, you lived there, but all the things that you've share a little bit of insight and all the things that you've accomplished in those, in those two decades as mayor and now service director. Sure. Um, you know, as a village councilman and a member of the Marshall Board of Public Trustees of, of 
public affairs, basically utilities, you're always fighting, and, and all government agencies are, are, are fighting the EPA regulations, which are getting stricter. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I mm-hmm. want to put out the best product back into the environment that they want to. We're not sitting there, hey, we want to, you know, do something that's damaging to the environment because that's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is is to to meet those things. But those mm-hmm. those new limits kept getting tighter and tighter. And we had an antiquated sewer system. It was a lagoon system with no duplicity. We couldn't shut one side down and clean it mm-hmm. while the other side was operating. It was all or nothing. And for a number of years, this, the Environmental Protection Agency was sending letters to the town threatening, hey, we've got to get that improved. Um, and nothing was done. As a matter of fact, I found several years of unopened letters from the EPA <laughs> in my desk drawer when I took over as mayor. And I think that's really when I got involved with you. And, and you know, you're giving me a lot of credit for what has, has happened in the village of Marshall, but without you and, and the work that we've done, um, you know, it, that truly is, is, is what has, has progressed Marshallville into the 20th, 21st century. But yeah, we needed to, to rectify our, our effluent situation with the, the sewer plant. Um, and everybody was in the same boat and we had sidewalks that needed repaired streets that were hit and miss on, on conditions. Um, and that takes a lot of money and our operating, our general, uh, revenue fund operating budget is just a little over a hundred thousand dollars. So that's not much. Now, when you add our enterprise funds, which are water, sewer, and electric, our annual budget's about $1.5 million, but that goes back into, to, you know, making sure that those enterprises are actually functioning, the electric, the water, and sewer, they're not intermingled. They're all separate. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think that really helped is, is sitting down with you early on our first year, you and I sat down and said, Hey, let's make a a 10 year capital plan and Mm -hmm. figure out what we've got to do. And we made a list of 20 things. Mm -hmm. And if we could have done half of those things, um, I think we'd have been very successful. I'd like to say now that we've accomplished all of those things on that first list. And we actually started a second list mm-hmm. and I think it's pretty well taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we had to do as a village is we had no money. Um, there, we, there was the lack of, of forward thinking. So we sat down and you and I, and, and some others that were involved and, and tried to plan out our, our next 10 years. And let's try to get through that. And then mm-hmm. as things went another 10 years, um, and we had to compete with everybody else who's looking for that same pot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's competitive, it's political. So if we could do some things that were a little different, I think that it helped Marshallville to get its name out there. We were persistent. Um, when we couldn't get funding and we were going to be fined $866,000 for a, a non-functioning sewer plant, it was kind of fun dealing with the EPA saying, you know, well, you can have the keys because we can't pay that. Mm-hmm. And for six months, we'd write letters. We'll give you $500 in fines. You give it back to us as a grant and help us do this. Well, this went on for six months and, and you know, the attorney from the EPA kept coming back says, we can't do that. So we kept upping it, a $1,000 fine. So we finally finished that we'd give them a $5,000 fine and we'd turn our old lagoon into a supplemental environmental project of a wetland. Mm-hmm. They jumped all over that. They actually paid grant-wise for that supplemental mm-hmm. program. Uh We were fully funded for our sewer plant. And we've done that numerous times for sidewalks, for the Green Street program. Mm -hmm. Um, 
You know, we've got to set Marshallville's projects apart. And how can we do that? Well, let's make them environmentally friendly. Let's make them cutting edge. Let's get people to know the village of Marshallville and, and the people that are involved. And, and that stuck with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the one time we went to a, a CDBG grant and we got fully funded for a sidewalk project that we were f- trying to get funded for eight years. And mm-hmm. they finally just said, we're tired of seeing you basically every year asking for the same project. You guys are persistent. We got 100% funding. Yeah. And, and why you said, you know, I give we give most of the credit to you because it's your leadership and the partnership that we form between Environmental Design Group and you there was this trust that we built that when when one avenue shut down, there was another avenue and you were patient and responsive and we were responsive to you and you were responsive to us and we worked together. And then with the, the funders, the regulators, um, all that, we built these trust, that, you know, the, the village of Marshall has a trust with whether it's the county commissioners, whether it's the EPA, whether it's whomever. And so we built this over time, but you as a leader, where trust, you know, you develop trust with us and with others. And I think that goes to one of the bigger tenets of leadership and, um, um, and, and then the kind of marketability of the village. And, um, you know, the, when we got there, I don't know if you remember this, we went out and we opened a fire hydrant way down on the south end of the village and there was this little dribble of water that just came out, <laughs> you know, and, and it was like that with everything, with water lines, with the roads were falling apart, flooding issues, and, you know, all the water lines in the village, 10, 11,000 feet have been replaced. And, right. But there was 400 feet remaining, and it took us over 15 years to get that last 400 feet. And we got it creatively. We got it creatively. And through, a, through uh, we have a uh, green infrastructure uh, pilot program street in Marshallville. You've got a solar field that you worked with. A, you spotted an opportunity out there. and you. So what small community of under 1,000 people has a solar field, a green infrastructure um, street, uh, park, and soon to be a second, second uh, park. And we just a year ago opened the Marshville segment of the Heartland bike trail that will mm-hmm. connect to the Ohio yeah. Erie towpath. Yeah. You, so, make a, you make a good point, Dwayne, when you mentioned, um, you know, this 20 years, 20, 30 years of your service to the community and the leadership being a big part of that. And you know, I'm curious, you know, that sounds like a lot of change happening in your community, a very small community. And I know just any kind of change management that we've had to um, deal with, it's it's quite an ordeal. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, how you as a leader get through some of those changes, the communication style that you use, and what, what do you rely on from your leadership skills? Um, yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to say that, that we have a, a fantastic open communication line to everybody. Um, the big thing is, I have grown up there, so all the people have known who I was. And that's a good thing and it's a bad thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, when I walk up to get the mail at the post office, my wife would often say, well, I'll see you in an hour because someone's going to (laughs) stop and they're going to ask me. Right. Or I like to uh, listen to the Indians game and I have a basketball court in the front of my house and I'll go out and shoot on a Sunday night, listening to an Indians game. And invariably somebody stops and, you know, they always have questions. So I made myself available to the people. Um, I tried not to intertwine it with my personal life. I didn't like them stopping at the house while I'm shooting baskets or whatever, or call me at the home, but I was out and about and people saw me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really tired of ask answering the same questions 
all the time. So when I, the first year I became mayor, I, I said, we, we need to get a, a quarterly newsletter out. And I'd put all that stuff in there, the, the constant barking dog complaints or the, the little things that take up a lot of your time and a lot of your energy. Right. And there's better uses for my energy than dealing with those. So I started a quarterly newsletter and that really seemed to help. Sure. Um, Give you a, a platform for your voice and exactly get that piece taken care of so you can focus on other things. Right. And you know, one of the other things you can see is when I first became mayor, we always had a, a local newspaper reporter at every meeting and we had very good relationships with them. So, you know, we would get the things that we needed to have said out publicly in the newspaper and it was widely read. Now, times have changed where there's not many newspapers and Facebook has replaced that. But the one thing remains the same and that's the relationship that you mentioned. Yes. That's still important. And I avoided Facebook because it's it's completely negative. And so, you know, I... I didn't do that. I encouraged them to come and see me to town hall. I was in there every day, even though it was a part-time job. I was there every day, oh. uh, Monday through Friday. Um, and you know, I, I would search people out to make sure. It, I found it a lot easier to if people left questions on my answering machine while I was out of the office. And sometimes, you know, it's a lot easier to talk nastily to an answering machine than it is to in person. So I just go to their house, and what a difference it would make. <laughs> you know, they so, oh, in and I would say, hey, here it is. Let's go out and look at what you're complaining about. And, and a lot of times, if it was our problem, we took care of it. If it was a perceived problem that wasn't our problem, you know, I'd say, you know, unfortunately, I know where you're coming from, but. And as you did that, people respected that. And, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of information out. And it wasn't always easy. You know, we had a solar field. And a lot of the older folks in town says, Marshall doesn't need a solar field. Um what's it going to do to our, it's going to reduce our rates, isn't it? Says, no, it's going to stabilize our rates. So we're a, a public power community. So we're members of American municipal power mm-hmm. and very much like the, the supplemental environmental program of our wetlands, they need to increase their green energy portfolio. So back in 2007, 2008, I got an email said, Hey, we're looking for 20 members who have land available for us to put solar fields on to increase our green production. Um, Didn't hear anything back until 2016. And they said, you're going to be one of the first two that we're going to build. So now we have a seven acre solar field, produces about 11% of our total energy needs. Um, Three and a half million dollar project. It didn't cost us anything. Um, but there's still a communication challenge around that, I'm assuming. There is. And and we led when it first opened, I, you know, myself and, and my utility department were certified to give um, tours through the company. Next Era Energy actually owns the field. Bayfor Energy maintains the field. And then we were trained by them to go out and, and just give tours and let people, yeah. and, and it was well attended. People know that it's there and it's along our new bike trail. So it's, yeah. it's kind of exciting. You know, a lot of people say, ah, that's nothing. And there's other people say, wow, that's exciting. You can't please everybody. It's all in the storytelling, yep. as we know. But I think if you look at all those accomplishments and then uh, whether it's a large community or a small community and there, and when I, again, I go back to telling the story and they're like, it gives, it gives, it generates excitement. It's like, wow, if a small community can do this and have a solar field and have these things or rebuild their whole infrastructure and all, then, then I can, I can do it. I, I as a, a mayor or service director in another community uh, and community could be, you know, whether it's a a township, a village, a city, or a community as a hospital or a business. Uh, you know, this these stories 
are impactful and and that's why we're so appreciative of telling some of these stories um today and 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 those accomplishments um what are you what are you uh what are you most proud of um hmm. what is the, the one or two things that jump out uh, at you as you reflect back mm. that's a tough question because there's I don't look at each individual project. I just kind of look mm-hmm. at the overall condition of the village. And mm-hmm. and Marshville is sitting in a good position. We're financially sound. Our infrastructure is is fairly modern. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is that we are really up to date. There's nothing staring at us right now that says, hey, it has to be done yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're working on a new water, drinking water facility that needs to be done, but it's not in a condition that it's a rush, it, it breaks and we fix it, but you know, hopefully in the next two to three years, mm-hmm. we're going to finalize all the funding for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's one of the things that, that I, I guess I'm proud of. Um, I like to look at the relationships that I've had my 20 years. The thing that reminds me that, that I'm, I'm happiest about is, is all the people that I've met. I'm not a expert in so many things, but I do like people. So, you know, the friendship that we've developed and, and there's dozens of people that over those 20 years I've, mm-hmm. I was able to get involved with and, and, uh, rely on their expertise to help the village out. And I think those are relationships that, that need to be kept going. And that's the, the fear I had in, in changing of, of leadership is what are we going to do with those relationships? Because they don't transfer mm-hmm. right to that person. Yeah. And, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. You have a partnership. And you try to transfer that partnership, it, it sometimes fails. And that's, right. That's, in, that's an interesting um, observation. In a town the size of Marshville, we have to have those partnerships mm-hmm. or we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's we, what I think we've, we've noticed talking to some other folks in different communities is that, you know, it doesn't really de- matter the size of the community. The problems are still the same. Yep. But I, I, I'm trying to imagine being in a community the size of the village of Marshallville where uh, a misstep can be – uh, magnified because of the size of the community. So, you know, what advice do you have for other communities similarly sized to, to the village of Marshville, you know, as far as tackling some of those problems and how to avoid those missteps that could magnify? That's a good question. And I think number one is, is you really need to have a good relationship with your engineer. You know, big cities have engineering departments. We don't have that luxury. Right. And there are a lot of engineering companies out there that, that, are always advertising and, and, and really would like to come in. And over the years, we've had to have other engineering companies come in because of conflicts of interest or the way that a grant's set up that we have, you know, our general engineer, but then we'd have to have an on-site or construction site engineer. So you really have to cultivate those relationships and don't jump around and get someone comfortable. Our engineering environmental design group, Dwayne, has been instrumental because we sat down early on and for anything you got to do, you have to plan your approach. And it's not always a straight line. It's a lot of them have little fingers that <laughs> you go and you, you get one grant and you try to leverage it into another grant or you do this. And and I think a lot of communities lose the ability to, to get the major projects done because they don't do that. They say, oh, we need a sewer line. We're going to apply for an OPWC grant and it's going to be a sewer line. Well, everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Let's add some points to it and, and make it something that is really set you apart. And 
So I think that's the important thing is, is really you have to plan and you have to be able to think outside the box. You can't, it's not cut and dry. It's great mm-hmm. advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a challenge and um, there's politics involved and, and, you know, things of that nature. And um, it's challenging for communities. But uh, again, that's why we're so thankful for you sharing the story today because I think you can set, you've set a model of, you know, patience, trust, and planning. Things don't happen overnight. It took us probably 12 years, probably, to get the sewer plant. Uh, yeah, because it actually plant. started back in about 98, 97, 98, when yeah. the village started receiving letters that mm-hmm. something had to be done. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of... And it took it took that long to get that capital stack because you can't. It was it was two point two million. Well, yeah. Where do you, you don't have two point two million just rolling around in the bank account? Yep. <laughs> and probably when you arrived on scene, there probably was there might have been a negative balance in the bank account. It could have been. <laughs> um, um, so it takes that long, long initiative, uh, long, long term planning, and and uh, couldn't agree with you more. And um, and then working with everyone that you can come in contact with. And build those build those relationships, and and more importantly, come up with that creative need that funders see uh, for that. So, we've talked all the, the the unique things, and then the more mundane things that that you've done over the years in terms of infrastructure. And but one of the things um, I want to share with our and you shared, I think, uh, with me a year or two ago. You know. Um, Marshallville has become an attractive place to live. It has been, yes. And I don't know if it's still, but what are your statistics now in, ter- in terms of home sales? and? You know, uh, population-wise, we are still around 750. Yeah. But there are so many people that are looking to come into town that there mm-hmm. just isn't enough housing on the market. So mm-hmm. when a house comes on the market, if it's on the market seven days, that's a long time. because mm-hmm. And a lot of them are sold prior mm-hmm. to even going on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's an attractive place to live. It's a good place to live. Um, again, going back to Facebook, and it goes everywhere. Is, <laughs> there's so much negativity out there. People always complain. Yeah. But the village of Marshville is really a good place to live, a good place to raise your kids. Um, but, yeah, and we do have some land that we got from the destruction of our, our elementary school. We've mm-hmm. you know, They've made a one campus in the village of Smithville, so we've lost our elementary school. So we have some lots down there that are for sale, but... Right now, you know, to build a house, it's much cheaper to buy a house that's currently mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. and on the market. So we're hoping mm-hmm. that over the next year or so that the Community Improvement Corporation, which is in charge of developing this, um, can get a house built. And I think once that first one's built, then mm-hmm. the rest will come. Yeah, and I think that's been going on for a number of years now where you've had that attractiveness, which I don't yeah. – I, I, I could be wrong and maybe you can clarify. You know, 20 years ago, you didn't have that same – exactly. Uh, same element, and, I, and partly because we, we look at uh, um, income levels and that kind of thing. And, and early on, it was it was kind of in despair. It was, you know, when we first we really had a, a pretty good time applying for grants because of mm-hmm. our our mm-hmm. LMI. Mm-hmm. Well, now we don't qualify. As a matter of fact, we have the highest mm-hmm. per capita household income in the in Wayne mm-hmm. County, mm-hmm. Um, and people have a hard time believing that it's. Well, and again, and again, that's 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 data. That's data that shows that when you take this long-term, planned, trusted approach, that you can turn a community around. And again, I say large or small, 
um, and and whether right. you're a, a municipality or you're a uh, you know you're a nonprofit, whatever it is, you can you can turn things around, and, and you go through different cycles, uh, and and but you've done a, done a wonderful job of that. Um, so what? What uh, I don't know, almost called you mayor, so, <laughs> Bob. Uh, what um, you know? Uh, what thoughts on uh, um, in terms of like challenging the status quo? Can you share anything that comes to mind? You know, for other community leaders and our listeners out there, because um, certainly those are the words I use. But you've certainly done that or, or open to that dialogue over the years. You know, thinking you used the term I think earlier. You know, thinking outside the box, but. What encouragement or what words of wisdom can you share along those lines? <laughs> um, keep a sense of humor. That's number mm-hmm. one. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I remember one of the first meetings that, that we had with the EPA when I first became mayor and uh, this one they were threatening to, to fine us. I remember sitting down in Twinsburg at the office and I won't mention his name, but, you know, he introduced himself. He was our district rep and... Mm-hmm. And we were talking about all the problems and, and I, I said, you know, you really seem like a nice guy. And he was smiling. He says, yep. He says, remember this, I can sit across from you from a table with a smile on my face and still find you $50,000 a day. <laughs> so we need to find a solution to this. And, mm-hmm. and that helped break the ice. He had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I look at today's politics where it's so polarized and like it or not, you got to get along with everybody. Mm-hmm. Don't have to like them, but you have to get mm-hmm. along with them. Mm-hmm. And I found that having a good sense of humor really helps that. And mm-hmm. then have a genuine interest and mm-hmm. a genuine like of people. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all these agencies are telling you what you need to do are only following orders from mm-hmm. higher up or mm-hmm. trying to correct a problem that, that existed. And now mm-hmm. they don't want that to happen mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So I think, number one, you have to approach all your projects with a, a sense of humor not forgetting that there might be a sense of urgency there, mm-hmm. but you got to be willing to work with everybody mm-hmm. and put yourself in their position, have some empathy, put yourself in their position and, mm-hmm. and see, you know, what's going on. Cause you're all invariably going to be replaced in the future somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you do now could affect generations ahead with their infrastructure, drinking water, pollution, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is, you know, have good persons, personal skills with, with interpersonal skills, because that's what everything's based on. If you don't get along mm-hmm. with people, they're not going to bend over backwards to help you. They might mm-hmm. not even just bend over to help mm-hmm. you. They just, mm-hmm. they want to, mm-hmm. you know, they might be against you. So, mm-hmm. you know, listen to them and, mm-hmm. and realize where you're at and you're, you're working to the same solution. So yeah, have mm-hmm. an open mind. Um, don't be afraid to think out of the box, plan, mm-hmm. plan and do some more planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see that little crack to financing that you might say, hey, can we get in? You can probably get in there, mm-hmm. you know, change mm-hmm. a wording here or there, add mm-hmm. something to it that, mm-hmm. that, like it or not, green infrastructure is, is going to become bigger and bigger in the future. And mm-hmm. if we can start adding that into our little projects, yeah. it sure makes it look more attractive. Yeah, I love really. that spirit of cooperation and... You know, it just goes back to, you know, what our parents taught us when we were little, you know, just be kind you yeah. know, and try to find a way, a path forward mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love everything you've said today, uh, Bob, and I, I hope our listeners um, have learned something from you today. And I'm wondering if there's a way that they could get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about the village of Marshallville and the things you've done out there. Yeah, they, they, they could definitely call me at the, the Marshallville Town Hall. Um, 330-855-2491. Leave a message. I'm not in there much. Um I don't give out my personal cell phone number because I don't like to be bothered. 
I also have a uh, an email. Uh, it's M V Marshallville M V S E R D I R. So it's really Marshallville Service Director M V S E R D I R at zoominternet.net. And that's my work email. Um, I check it Monday through Friday. Weekends, not so much. Uh, I will get back to you as soon as possible. Perfect. Um, and I assume the village has a website that they could. Yeah, read the more village about. does. It's, it's, it's villageofmarshaville.org. Um, awesome. And again, we're a small town. So we have some tech guys on our police department who manage and run our, our website. Um, it's functional. It's very nice. They do a nice job, but it's not the same kind of website you're going to get at a city with with 10,000 people or more that are spending several thousand dollars a year to maintain it. Sure, and, sure. Mm-hmm. So, One last question before we sure. release you <laughs> from our grips today. Um, you know, we, we, we talk to a lot of leaders, but it's often very difficult to get to know them on a personal level. So just for fun, what's on your bucket list for 2021? 2021. Um, boy, you know, everybody says 2020 was pretty bad and it has been, but, but we've, we've enjoyed it very well. We're very active. Um, I think 2021 is, we love to travel and we have, we've made friends all over the world and, and I would really like to get back to some friends who live on the island, the Channel Island of Jersey off the coast of France. We were there two years ago Mm and, and with all of the lockdowns in the UK and, and lockdowns in the United States. Um, I think I'm ready to spread my wings again and, and get out, uh, when, when it's safe. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to a vaccine. Um, and hopefully that in six months or so the world changes and we can get back to traveling. Love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Bob, for You're joining welcome. us today. We've enjoyed this conversation immensely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, uh, hope our listeners, um, you know, can look at Marshallville as a model um, for whatever size the organization is. Um, I hope they take an opportunity to reach out to to you or myself or Tammy and we can share more. Um, we have a lot more um, stories and fun uh, things that we've accomplished in the, in the terms of, uh, you know, I use the word fun. Uh, and it has been. Yeah. It has been a good ride. We've, been, yeah. we've enjoyed the relationship that we've had mm-hmm. with, with you and environmental mm-hmm. design. And everybody who has worked with us through your company have become friends, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them have moved on to other mm-hmm. avenue or other jobs and we're still connected yeah. and still get together. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tammy asked if how people could get a hold of me, please, if you want to see our green street, uh, you want to see our solar field, just want to talk more than happy to, uh, give a, a tour of any of those things. We've, we've led several tours of our, of our solar field to local mayors and, and leaders and our green street. So we're more than happy to do that. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're Bob. welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.